Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. <laughs> Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like, I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to a undersea extravaganza episode of comics, motherfucker. Do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I will be one of your Royal Atlantean hosts tonight, and I am joined by my fellow fanhole Royal Advisor. Give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, this is Justin. And we are going deep tonight because we're talking about the King of the Seven Seas. We're talking about Aquaman. And Aquaman, by the time you're listening to this, should have a super duper awesome feature film out in theaters. And me and Justin wanted to talk about some Aquaman comics. So So Aquaman. So Aquaman brought some comics. No. So Justin and I brought some comics to talk about tonight. And... I think Justin's comics are up first. It's a Aquaman miniseries, and then I have a Aquaman special that I wanted to talk about in the second half. But I think what I'll do is I'll have Justin tell us what comics he decided to bring tonight, and then me and him are going to discuss a little bit. So I brought the 1986 Aquaman four-issue miniseries. It was written by Neil Posner and illustrated by Craig Hamilton. This introduces Aquaman's camouflage costume, which we only ever see, as far as I know, in these four, four issues. Even like during the Peter David ongoing, uh, Thanatos has like a very similar costume when he's like yeah. being all like shady with Mira and creepy and stuff. I'll give you uh, hopefully a brief synopsis, then Derek and I will discuss these issues. After a brief battle with Ocean Master, Arthur returns to Atlantis, only to be told by Volko that the Atlantis people are furious. They feel their city is being changed, changed by the alliances Arthur has made with other Atlantean cities and by exposure to the surface world. And they want no more lava lamps. Aquaman dons a new camouflage costume to avoid detection. The royal seal has been stolen and Arthur retrieve it. Aquaman journeys to Thernana Oge looking for the seal that is captured. He has wandered into the middle of a sibling dispute, and the king of Theranana'oj believes Arthur to be a spy. He is thrown into the pit and faces a deadly sea creature. As the creature ages, Aquaman and Nuada escape. They are quickly attacked by savages under the control of Ocean Master. In issue 3, we get an updated version of Aquaman's origin that will stick until at least a zero hour. 
After Arthur recounts his origin, Ocean Master tells us his plan, that he learned ancient Atlantean magic and decided to track down the 12 mystic crystals. Arthur attempts to battle his brother only to discover he was never really there. Trying to figure out a way to stop him, Arthur becomes furious with Nuada as she says this is not her fight. She explains that Arthur is playing into Orm's hand by letting loose his anger. He must open his mind and emotions in order to beat Orm, who now has six of the crystals. Aquaman manages to cycle through the emotional trauma of his life and finally overcome Ocean Master. In a final epilogue, we see that Ocean Master, while beaten, is not dead. So, my background with this miniseries, like, I was not aware of it. I was not aware of its existence until, like, maybe a year or two into the Peter David Aquaman run. Like, I was, I was reading, like, back issues of, I don't, I'm not sure what even, I'm not even sure what DC book I was reading, but, like, I just remember flipping through, like, an old back issue, and I saw, like, a ad for this and i was like what what is this like aquaman has like some weird costume i've never seen and like i've i've never heard of this mini series so like i was kind of like i was confused because i never heard of it but then i was like well this is cool like this is something i've never heard of before so like i immediately like tracked it down and like i think in like you know i'd managed to like find the whole thing and get it and you know read it and devour it I think my background with this miniseries, like, is sort of similar to yours. Like, I did not read this when it was coming out. Like, this miniseries basically came kind of hot off the heels of Crisis on Infinite Earth, so it was supposed to be sort of the, the de facto post-crisis Aquaman setup for the DC Universe moving forward. Uh, the, the you know, not to uh, bury the lead, but the 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 book we're going to discuss in the second half is actually the first Aquaman book that I ever read. You know, as far as like off the spinner rack and that kind of thing. So I think, like you, I remember the the cover to this first issue being in all kinds of house ads in whatever DC comics I was reading at the time, whether it was, you know, back issues of Swamp Thing or, you know, what have you. So, like, I, I just, I do distinctly remember that cover and the, the camo suit and kind of being like, oh, that's interesting. Like, it's it's totally, you know, a new take on Aquaman and everything. I don't think I actually read this until maybe, like, Aquaman's on Smallville, I think. Because cause I think my whole thing was I, I had read the book we're going to discuss in the second half, which is the, the Legends of Aquaman special. And then from there, I read some of the other Aquaman series, and then I pretty much kept up with the Peter David run on Aquaman. So, I mean, I was I was buying Aquaman pretty consistently once I was introduced to it, or at least, you know, kind of off the whole... Filmation Aquaman, Super Friends deal, and then when I saw him in comics, I would follow him. But I didn't exactly research or, or get a bunch of back issues. Like, I was kind of just buying whatever was new that was coming out at the time. And I think when, when Aquaman showed up, or when AC showed up on Smallville, I remember there was lots of buzz about that it was, it was a popular episode and that they were gonna, they were already thinking about spinning it off into its own show, which eventually turned into Mercy Reef, that pilot. But 
even back then at the time, I was kind of thinking along the lines of, cause we were, I don't know, I was always trying to like maybe write things with people back then and, you know, thinking of, oh, how can I make this a spec script or can I, can I work with somebody else and get this turned into a spec script and maybe make some money off of it or whatever. And I guess, you know, part, partially, you know, as a, enthusiast and a collector like I kind of use that as an excuse to research basically so I think at that point I started reading like you know the the Michelini Aparo issues of Adventure Comics like I wanted to read the story where Aquaman lost his child and all that kind of stuff so it was like yeah. I was getting into all that and then because of that it led me to this miniseries and and you know what I really really liked about this miniseries was to me, I was like, oh man, this, to me, this was the gold mine. Cause I was like, this is what I can use to write a spec script. Like this <laughs> is in Canon and the, like the relationship between Orm and Arthur in this was like, so Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling. Like, so I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> like, uh, this is, this is what, you know, this is what the TV show needs to be. You know what I mean? It needs to be like Orm being swarmy and, and flippant and, cracking jokes and calling him arty all the time and that kind of thing you know so it was like i was i remember i was like super into it at the time and and kind of you know that that this would be the perfect source material to sort of you know honor or or refer to if you were going to write some kind of aquaman television series and everything so that that's kind of my you know exposure to it so yeah i read it as back issues i didn't read it when it was coming out but i mean i i kind of it, it's like one of those things like the kind of the way i describe some things like whether it was like the the doom and strange triumph and torment it's like the 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 promotional aspect of this permeated you if you read comics whether you read the series or not because i knew I knew of this first cover image and then it was like a promo poster and house ads and all that kind of stuff. So, and then, and then, you know, later they had the, the uh, variant for the DC universe classics figure. So that camo suit was also represented there. So it's like, you, you know, there, there are things where this suit, even though it had a short lived run, like you said, I mean, Aquaman doesn't really wear it after this miniseries, And then it's only like a, I guess a, a Thanatos costume after that point. But you know, it still obviously made a, a strong impact on on things, and and then this also seemed to be like that that angle, like kind of what they were doing Power Girl. You know, like they they kind of had Power Girl tie into all the Atlantean stuff, and thus her grandfather was Orion or whatever. And so even in the first couple pages of this, they they were trying to sort of reconcile the various versions of Atlantis that they had talked about in the DC universe. And it's like, oh, the, the Atlantis that Aquaman is from is the same Atlantis, like, you know, whatever it was, like 10,000 years ago where it was on the surface and they were all using magic and stuff. So, like, yeah. they, they, they kind of play with introducing those kind of elements into the Aquaman lore because it's like... You know, that that's something that's interesting, too, because you're like, I, I guess to me, it's like I, I kind of get used to all the retcons where it's like, you know, like Orm was, you know, it's like Orm was a normal human being that was a pirate that used his suit and technology and all this other stuff to breathe underwater. 
And then in this, he starts using that kind of sorcery as well, and that kind of ups his power level so he can, you know, actually be a threat for Aquaman and that kind of thing. And then, but then it's like in the later series, like, the, you know, the stuff that I think I was most used to reading, you know, all the Peter David stuff, by that point it was kind of like, you know, the post-zero hour canon where, you know, Ocean Master was half human and half Atlantean still. And then, and then he, you know, thus he had some kind of, you know, innate powers to swim underwater and all that other stuff. And then now you, you get to the point where in the new 52, I mean, he's pretty much a full-blooded Atlantean and he's got all kinds of powers, you know, like he's, he's practically, you know, kicking the shit out of Superman with a, you know, his trident or whatever, you know? So it's like the, you know, obviously the, the, uh, you know, the kind of the power levels of, of Orm have fluctuated over the years, but this, this is another, you know, uh, an instance in this miniseries where they're trying to, you know, make him kind of stand toe to toe with Aquaman. And, you know, as, as much as people write Aquaman now, you know, kind of trying to make him seem like not a joke, I think this was also an attempt to make his you know, one of his main rogues, you know, the other one being Black Mana, to be sort of a, you know, a, a nemesis that was, you know, worthy of, of his strength and stature, you know, of yeah. Aquaman's strength and stature. Seeing a, a Ryan for, like, the few little cameos he had, like, that makes me happy because, like, I like that character, and I read, like, quite a number of his comics when I was a kid, but, like, it also kind of makes me sad because I was like, uh, we never got a DC UC figure of him. Like, I'm still kind of mm. pumped about that. That that's probably one of those things where, like, the, he was never on a list because he had like way too much tooling, probably, with all the intricate yeah. design of his costume and everything. That would have been cool, though. Like that that would have been sweet. I I would always take characters that were world building and stuff. It was funny because I I remember I bought a shit ton of stuff like that. Like I bought all these you know, warlords and, and Orions for 25 cents. Like, you know, the, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the stories I have about like, why did I go to San Diego comic con with like boxes full of 25 cent comics? Like th those were the kind of things that I would like bring home from comic sales where I just had a shit ton of Orion or whatever. And I would read that stuff. And it's like, it's funny for me. Cause you know, I don't dig magic and I don't dig sorcery and stuff. So it was yeah. like kind of like one of those things where like the, the, the aspect of this in here, like, I mean, in some ways, I guess my attitude would be this. It's kind of like they're infecting Aquaman with magic bullshit, which I don't like. But it's like it's like it's the bad guy who has the magics. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, yeah. well, that that's that's a little different because he's he's sort of misusing it. And 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 they're you know, I mean, obviously, Aquaman has allies and stuff. And I guess, you you, you know, you mentioned Nuita or Silverhand, you know, which is kind of cool because it's like it's like there's. You know who she reminds me of, and I don't know if you'll you'll agree or disagree or whatever. But this miniseries reminds me a lot of what they tried to do with Ray Palmer in the Sword of the Atom. Like they were trying hmm. to sort of tweak his look and yeah. kind of make him more of a, a sword and sorcery ish looking dude. Like because he's got the sword and he's kind of got mm -hmm. the the barbarian look, and then he's with the. What I was going to bring up is Nuada is kind of like the Lathan or whatever her name is, like the, the little 
tiny girl, you know, the tiny yeah. subatomic girl that, that, you know, the kind of babe that kind of has like the almost jaundiced looking skin or whatever. And she's got kind of like the hot red hair and yeah. everything like, and so it's like, to me, I was always like, Oh, thank God, Ray, you found somebody who actually likes you and is hot. Not that fucking crazy nutso <laughs> bitch, you know, like, and I was just like, you know, so anyway, but I was like, I was like, you know, so, so to me, like, you know, and this is not, it's like, I know Mara's popular now, and I know Mara was good before they had all their marriage turmoil and everything, and there are good points in the Mara character, but I think at this point in time, because it's coming off of, or, you know, it's like, they, they won't let go of, you know, the death of Aqua Baby, it's like yeah. every time he interacts with Mara, it turns into this highly emotionally charged, like, dramatic kind of you know, it's like always a gut wrenching thing, you know, because it's like it's that, you know, death of a child that's always the elephant in the room. And you can't I mean, you can never get past it. So it's like and, and there's no reason you should really. Right. And and it's just like one of those things where it's like I think this was an attempt to be like, hey, you know, just like Ray Palmer, we're not going to have him in his traditional Silver Age outfit. We're going to put Aquaman in this camo suit. We're going to sort of switch up the scenario a little bit. I mean, it's like, you know, he, he, he won't just be, you know, kind of a, a superhero with the Justice League. He'll he'll actually be, you know, fighting kind of covertly for Atlantis and, and, and they introduce like this new race basically of Atlantean mages, which sort of ties into Orion. But it's like it's interesting because Nuada kind of reminds me it's like her her entire race is almost like a bunch of underwater Tamaranians, you know, like they all mm -hmm. kind of have that orangish gold skin and they're all, yeah. you know, like obviously it's, it, and it's, it's also kind of, uh, um, what is it? The male thing is a patriarchy. What, what's the female thing? A matriarchy. Like, yes. like it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like they're in a matriarchy. Like, cause they're, it's like the one girl is the king, but she's a female, right? So she's the female king or whatever of these, this subsect of, of uh, an Atlantean city or whatever. And so, like, you, you've got those aspects, too. And, and, and it's basically, you know, heretofore an unheard of lost kind of city of Atlantis. You know, like, like basically these are all brand new characters and locales and things like that. So it, it kind of adds you know, a, a new color of paint to, to Aquaman's world building and universe and everything. And I was kind of laughing because, you know, her name's Silverhand, and I was like, oh, she was doing the cool, like, cable shit before it was cool because she had her own little, <laughs> like, mystical cybernetic fucking arm yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, like, th those kind of things. I mean, this is this is a really good series. I mean, it still holds up. It yeah. still reads really, really well. I mean, I, the only thing you could you could argue against it is, like, you know, if you pick it up in the middle where you're reading, like, issue three to start with or issue two to start with. Like, I mean, it, it, this reads a lot better if you, you know, duh, if you read all four issues of the miniseries, you know, and, and, and it reads really well and really quickly together. And, and it's it's a lot of fun, it, you know, and, and I, I mean, to me, like, I did enjoy it. Some of the things that I'd point out that crack me up are, like, I'm trying to find it here. Oh, yeah, this 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 was my favorite part was like I was going to make a crack here where it's like in issue 2 where that the 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 female king like basically starts having them use like their kind of um I don't know, it's like it's like they have kind of like a sorcerer way to sort of telepathically 
like pry into Aquaman's mind and everything. Yeah. And so they have that they have that panel where he's like, Leave me alone and like and like then you see like, you know, like this kind of splash of like Aquaman's history and you know, you see Mera and and Ocean Master and Black Mana, but then also you see basically like the Justice League Detroit, and I was just gonna make the crack like, oh yeah, like no wonder he's like screaming terror. He's like, don't make me remember my time with Justice League Detroit. <laughs> you know, no. Aww. But you know, yeah, I know. I'm totally <laughs> ragging on Jail Detroit. Yeah. He's like, I wanted to forget. It's like you know, what? or whatever. You know, like all this kind of stuff. But um, but anyway, like that's that that was kind of cracking me up because I, I I really do think like they were trying to get away from some of that some of that impression that people had of Aquaman and not the the not the typical impression of Aquaman like not the like he's above jokes for the mass public and talks to fish. But I I, I feel like this was an attempt to get out of the not only the emotional turmoil between him and Mara, but like this kind of notion of like, I'm Aquaman, I broke up the Justice League and made Justice League Detroit and everybody thinks I'm a stick in the mud and have a stick up my ass because I'm like the angry guy who's always in charge of all these young kids and stuff. Like he was kind of like the dad or the grandpa or something, you know, of Justice League <laughs> Detroit because he was like the only, like one of, besides like Martian Manhunter, like the only adult there. So it's like it, it's like I, I I think that was you know you know it, it's that you know plinket joke. It's like you might not have noticed it, but your brain did. <laughs> you know, and it's like it's like your brain noticed like Aquaman was like the grumpy old man saying "get off my lawn" vibe or whatever. You know, and it's like that I think inadvertently probably hurt the character too, and they didn't mean to, but I I, I think it did have that impact on him. And I think this is a you know oh we're gonna you know, kind of, you know, expunge some of that impression. And I mean, that that's kind of the arc he takes him on, because they don't ignore that that happened. They acknowledge it did, but it's like he has a nice arc where he goes from, you know, like they, they kind of describe how his father, the lighthouse keeper, instilled in him. Like, it's kind of interesting because you're like, well, he's not royalty, but somehow he, he instilled in him this notion of well you're you've got these special abilities and you're gonna be a king one day and you've got to train and all this other stuff and and somehow there there was that notion of he stood apart from everyone else and and thus he always thought he had to tackle things on his own and not get any help from anyone and so it's this huge deal where he actually asks Nuada for help you know and and that's the the turning point in the arc where he kind of breaks down, asks for help and is actually like almost in tears for doing it. But she says, this is, you know, this is the first step realizing you can't do everything by yourself, that it's, it's okay to ask, you know, somebody for help. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk to you about that finale. Like, I mean, first you've got some, like some really nice double page spreads where you've got like, you know, Aquaman doing his battle, like on top and then at the bottom, you've got like, different pieces of Aquaman's like memory like he's remembering like you know Aqua Baby and Mara and Aqua Lad and the Justice League and all this stuff like those are some really nice spreads but then like you know the the whole crux of the finale is like Aquaman is you know an impulsive character and he's prone to like anger like he has to you know push through that and kind of like like embrace his emotions and then like basically once he embraces all these emotions like the good and the bad like he and he even says this in the book he says like i love you orm like he says i love you to his brother and that's like that's how he beats him like he just says yeah. like i love you and i like i remember at the time like 
I don't think I'd ever seen that in a comic, like maybe outside of like Wonder Woman, like especially for for a male character to do that. And I was just like, that's really interesting. Like I I wouldn't I mean, you know, a magic stuff aside, like I would not have thought of like beating your main bad guy that you've been up for four issues and who has this huge rivalry with his brother and he like destroyed his home that they grew up in and like he's intent on killing him. Like I would never have thought of like the way you beat him is like embracing embracing your emotions and telling him you you love him. I just thought that was really really interesting way to end like an Aquaman comic of all things. I I have like some opinions about that and it's not even it's not even negative. It's like I I feel like I agree with the ultimate outcome of the story, but I I kind of think it it's it's still up to interpretation how you get there because I I find it funny that Nuwata voices it like just like science is associated with intellect magic is associated with emotions and then i think to myself no wonder i hate magic because you got all these emotional people with all their little emotional problems and it's like of course it's just like magic it's annoying it's like you know everybody's like i have feelings like and this is super important and and i kind of like think like to me like even though they say he embraces his emotions like i i think I kind of feel like there's some sense of, of Vulcanness to it, where it's mm-hmm. like, it, it, it's kind of like he is angry all the time because he doesn't acknowledge that he loves his brother. He's mm-hmm. angry all the time because he doesn't acknowledge he's desperately saddened by the fact that his child is dead and yeah. his wife doesn't love him anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all these conflicting things, and it's like, the reason why he's angry is because he can't deal with any of that other stuff. So the only thing he can do to, to you know, vent or let off steam or express it at all is to just be angry and punch shit and be the grumpy old man on Justice League Detroit. You know what I mean? See? And it's like, that's not healthy. So when he goes through that arc, it's not so much that, like, he he... I mean, I don't know. To me, it's like it's like to me, it's funny. It's like you embrace your emotions. It's not like he gives in to the emotion. Right. You know, it's like he actually like acknowledges it and deals with it and is honest with it. Mm. It's like it's like saying, look, like look, he gets his brother's a bad guy. He gets his brother beat. You know, destroyed New Venice, and that sucks. But at the same time, he also acknowledges he grew up with this little boy that he had as a playmate and was his friend and is his blood relative through his father who he also loves and and that you know regardless of the fact that his brother's a total evil fuck up he still loves him right and 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 to me it's like okay yeah you can say it's embracing emotions but i think it's actually dealing with your emotions more than embrace you know like in other words i i guess to me like embrace it's a fine line between when you say embrace, some people might interpret that as give into your emotions. Right. Like if you're angry, just lose it in front of everybody. Right. But that's not necessarily the case. If you, if you sort of acknowledge your emotions, if you say to yourself, look, I'm angry in this situation now, but it's not going to be productive for me to lash out or, you know, scream and holler at this point in time because it's not going to do anything for anybody. And who knows? Maybe, maybe you do need to be one of these people that you know does the millennial bullshit and goes in a little room and <laughs> fucking screams in a little bubble or whatever the fuck they do, right? Or have a stress ball or whatever the fuck stupid shit there is, right? Maybe you need to do that, but 
to me, I, I think it's it's a matter of determining like, okay, why do you need to do that? What's really making you upset? Like, I, to me, I, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I don't think it's the test taking that's making all the millennials go and cry in a little bubble. I think there's something else that they need to acknowledge, just like Aquaman needs to acknowledge you know, that he, he loves his brother, that he's a grumpy old man with the Justice League Detroit, and that he's really sad that his son is dead and that his wife doesn't love him anymore because of that. You know, like that's that's and, and, and sometimes you don't like sometimes there's not as simple an answer as I love my brother. Like, I, I don't know that there's a simple answer for the the baby and all that stuff. I don't think there would have ever been an answer for it, but it's like they, they took one aspect of his life that wasn't working and got him to get over that hump. And, and, and they're figuring, okay, that's a good enough win that we can move forward from this one. And instead of having him go back to Mara and be sad sack all the time, or go back to justice League of Detroit and be a sad sack all the time, he can go to Nuwata and they can, you know, do magic stuff and, and, and freaking, you know, like instead of him just being angry all the time. He can actually like, you know, go ahead and, and move forward, whether it's Atlantis or, you know, on the surface or what have you. But, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's like, to me, I thought this series was really great. The art was really great, but I guess maybe they just didn't have, I don't know, enough interest to keep the momentum going, or they just left it as the perfect miniseries that it was and didn't make more stuff to ruin it. I don't know. Cause it's, it seemed like some of the other series after that, that I followed, like, still kept coming back to the, you know, they kept coming back to black mana and they kept coming back to the fact that his kid was dead and they couldn't, they couldn't let that go, you know, like, and so that, that, you know, whereas this was trying to let that go and and move forward in a different direction. And, and for whatever reason, I guess that different direction didn't take off or whatever, but I guess it'd be an interesting alternate fringe universe. If you were in the universe (laughs) where the, the camo suit was like super popular and, you know, I don't know, the camo suit made Aquaman like, you know, the third top tier guy at DC or something, you know, and there, there were all these interesting tie-ins and TV shows or whatever the heck, you know, like that, that kind of universe. See, I thought like when we discussed the ending, I I was afraid you would be like, oh, that ending's just some hippie dippy like bullshit or something no see see i i don't think it's hippy dippy bullshit okay but i i think i think i think that i i guess if if the only thing i take issue with is someone's interpretation of it like the, the the key thing that i focus on is the 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 sense of him embracing emotion and to me that means something different than it might mean to somebody else and I would right. take issue with it, or like, or I would call their interpretation hippy dippy bullshit. You like, know what I mean? Like it's like it's like that, but but that doesn't mean I don't acknowledge the eventual outcome of of what he did and and how he got over the hump to me. Because I I think I think it's a good arc, and I think I think it helped move the character forward in a way he hadn't had an opportunity to do before. The only problem is people didn't didn't take that ball and go running with it. You know, they, they went back to old fucking ball because, I don't know, because they didn't get it, you know? Like, what I wrote in my synopsis, which I wrote myself and didn't steal, uh, I wrote, Aquaman manages to cycle through the emotional trauma of his life and overcome mm. Ocean Master. Like, my interpretation was that he was able to, you know, we saw these flashback images on those spreads, like, we had, like, you know, the good times, like, you know, Aquaman with Mara, hanging out with, uh, you know, Aqualad, 
bad, like how the Justice League, and then you also had to take in the bad stuff too. You had to take, you had to, you know, accept and face the fact that, that you know your son was dead, your your marriage is falling apart, and all this other stuff. Like that's the way I took it. Is like, you know, you can be angry, but you have to you have to take the good with the bad. You can't focus on one. You just have to kind of you know yeah. go with the flow. Like that's kind of yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. It's that's that's life, man. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 something eventually everybody kind of has to acknowledge that that you're you're gonna have good times and bad times, and that's all gonna be a part of you, you know. And that that's that's the Kirk joke, right? That's the you know, I want my pain, I need my pain, <laughs> you know, like and 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 that kind of thing. But it's like that that pain can't define you completely, like not just like you're saying, not just yeah. that pain, right? Like yeah. like there there it's it's like you you can also focus on you know the the wedding. You know, like it's it's like that great shot of the recreation of the the wedding. It's like this is this is from our intro. That's the 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 Batman's got the fishbowl on his head and Superman doesn't. Like that's 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 where that, that comes from. That, yeah. You know, like that's 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 from our our intro and that's that's what I'm talking about. But it's like that's to me that's that's the good times. You know, it's like oh, remember when Superman didn't need a fucking underwater rebreather? <laughs> yeah, those were good times. Remember that? Mm. Like so. Anyway, but but yeah, I mean, this is this is you know. Uh, 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 to me, it's a very beautiful miniseries. Yeah. I, I think I think it, it it did a good job of of making Orm a credible, believable threat. Mm-hmm. I think you, you know the other thing that I didn't pick up on, and, to, uh, and I decided to reread the uh, the the um, editorials in the back because they didn't have letter columns at that point. You know, like until like I think like third and fourth issue or whatever. And you know, one of those things that I keyed in on that I think made me like this even more was that Craig Hamilton said, Oh, well what I was going he said I, I never tried to draw I don't know, like stock faces or stock images. And and I loved that he was like, Oh, well Aquaman Aquaman's face is Buster Crab. And and Mara's face is like Lucille Ball in her starlet days as a, huh. a young starlet. And I was just like sitting there going, wow, like, I don't know, I, I it just made me think of it. And, and I just kind of thought to myself, yeah, like that's, I mean, you know, if, if you had that kind of, you know, Kang timey-wimey ability <laughs> to pluck actors at a time in a certain a certain setting and just do a movie like that where you're like oh man that would have been sweet like like buster and lucille ball like plucked from different time zones and put in this like neil posner you know craig hamilton aquaman camo suit movie i was like oh that'd be so badass you know so like that was something else about it that i really i really thought was cool yeah i really do like this miniseries and i i hadn't read it in a long time so like when you were yeah yeah saying like what are we gonna do for an aquaman show i was like i'd kind of like to do this because i haven't read it in a long time and i'm glad we were able to to read it and discuss it i i i am i'm equally glad so i guess i guess if if that wraps things up for the the aquaman miniseries from 1986 the post-crisis aquaman miniseries i think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break we'll play a promo trailer and then when we come back we're actually going to be discussing the quote-unquote Aquaman special or Legend of Aquaman. So stay tuned. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air firestorm and aquaman 
Fire and Water Podcast, celebrating Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. Available weekly on Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, here to talk about Firestorm. Along with me is my co-host, Rob Kelly, here to talk about some guy that talks to fish. Really? You're going to pull this crap during the promo? Bad enough, I have to put up with your shenanigans every week, but... Alright. So we're back from that awesome commercial break, and as promised, we're going to be discussing the Aquaman special issue number one. It is actually titled The Legend of Aquaman, and the publisher, of course, is DC Comics. The cover date is 1989. The on-sale date was March 14th, 1989. It had a whopping cover price of two whole dollars, but since it was this, like, new format super special, it was pretty cool. The reason why I picked this is this is essentially the first Aquaman comic I bought off a spinner rack, so for me, this comic has a lot of nostalgic kind of memories for me and everything. And given that it's Aquaman, I mean, I, you know, I think that those were the kind of characters I keyed in on, on the spinner rack. If I recognized them from super friends, whether it was Firestorm or Aquaman or Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So I keyed in on things like X-Factor because it had Iceman. I keyed in on amazing Spider-Man because duh, it had Spider-Man, you know, so you know, Man of Steel, because it had Superman, etc., etc. So, and then I, I think it didn't hurt that this was, you know, an issue number one, and that it was telling sort of the complete origin story of Aquaman from beginning to current times, I guess, or whatever. Like, I, I felt like I was kind of getting in on the ground floor of something, so that I think that was also kind of helpful to me. And, and one of the reasons why I liked it. It is uh, plotted by Keith Giffen. The scripter is Robert Lauren Fleming. Uh, you kind of see these guys team up on a bunch of other projects in the future, like typically like things like, like Eclipso, I think, is what comes to mind when I hear both of those guys' names together. The penciler is the you know legendary great Superman artist Kurt Swan. And I guess a lot of people might not know this, or they might, but... I guess originally this special was going to be a Secret Origins special. But then I guess Secret Origins was done by this point or got canceled or what have you. So I guess they still had that in their back pocket and they released this as just a, a one-shot new format special as opposed to like some kind of Secret Origins annual or special or what have you. So that's, that's kind of some of the backstory on how this got made. But I, I did kind of steal my synopsis. I kind of took the synopsis from the DC Wikia and Mike's Amazing World, which is where I read all that information on, you know, the cover price and where it came from and all that good stuff. But here we go. Aquaman was born with no name and abandoned upon the rocks of Mercy Reef when he was but an infant. Growing up alone, he learned to communicate telepathically with other sea life and used their methods to hunt for food. As a young man, he came upon a fisherman named Arthur Curry who lived in a lighthouse off the coast of Maine. After a startling encounter with one another, Arthur brought the boy into his home where he taught him to read and speak English. He knew the boy was not a normal human and suspected that he belonged to a race of mermen. As the boy grew to adulthood, Arthur Curry grew old and sick. 
Those from the boy's native land of Atlantis found where he had been living and took Arthur Curry away in the dead of night, presumably to his doom. He left behind a journal chronicling his life. The boy took his foster father's name as his own and became Arthur Curry. Now a man, Arthur Curry explored the world, eventually finding his way back to Atlantis. The Atlanteans captured him and placed him into solitary confinement for three years at the Aquarium Prison. There he met an old scientist named Volko and had a chance encounter with his aging mother, Atlanta. Although he never met her, Arthur elected to remain in Aquarium just to be close to her. When news of her passing reached his ears, he no longer felt the need to stay behind. He marshaled his super strength and broke free of Aquarium, setting other inmates free as well. Arthur decided to continue to wear his prison uniform as a reminder of where he had come from. He also made use of the cruel nickname that had been given to him in prison, Aquaman. As Aquaman, Arthur Curry became a champion both above and below the sea, and became a founding member of the Justice League of America. Eventually, he returned to Atlantis only to discover that the evil regime had been overthrown. Volko had been a leader in the rebellion, and took inspiration from his former pupil. The Atlanteans had been monitoring the surface and knew of Aquaman's heroic career. He also met the current king, and discovered that his mother had once been queen. She had been overthrown by the regime which had imprisoned him years earlier. With his royal heritage, Aquaman is then given the crown. Now having claimed his birthright as the king of all Atlantis, Aquaman later took on a pupil in Aqualad, married a woman from an alien dimension named Mera, and she gave birth to a son named Arthur Curry III. When the child was killed, Aquaman left his throne and returned to the open sea. So just a couple notes, kind of like Justin had about this story. Basically, like this story, it establishes kind of a new post-crisis origin for Aquaman, which has a lot of differences from, I guess, the Earth-1 or the pre-crisis Aquaman. You know, they, they talk about how Aquaman was abandoned on Mercy Reef as an infant. And in this case, Arthur Curry is his foster father. And then as a teen, his costume is actually an Atlantean prison uniform and that his mother had originally been Queen of Atlantis. And then I guess there are some, I mean, I guess, you know, arguably like we, we can talk about this as we go, but there there's quote unquote inconsistencies because of, you know, later stories, I guess. But like, I, you know, I guess to me, it can be chalked up to this is, this is post-crisis revised origin of Aquaman, but it's not post-zero hour revised origin of Aquaman, yeah. I guess. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, so, so you know, it, basically here is dad's name is Arthur Curry, but then I think in later stories, they end up changing it to Tom Curry. So it's like, he's Arthur Curry, and then his son is Arthur Jr., like it normally is. But in this case, like, I guess his foster father's name is Arthur Curry, and then he's Arthur Jr., and then his kid, Aqua Baby, is like Arthur the Third, and, you know, it gets all kind of confusing or whatever, but I don't know. I don't think it's that confusing, but, you know, whatever. You know, so, and and then, and, you know, they kind of talk about how, in this case, you know, with the prison uniform thing, it's kind of like they, you know, it's kind of like they give Aquaman the, the, the name Aquaman, the connotations of, like, kind of like Miller's Daredevil, where they're like, you know, 
it was a name they called him as a kid or something, you know, you're a daredevil. And then he takes that name as, as the superhero. So it's kind of like these prison assholes are like, why is he an Aquaman? And he's like, I am Aquaman, you know, and he kind of takes it on. But I guess, you know, later, I think like in the Peter David time and tide, like, I think it's like Barry Allen's the one who kind of calls him Aquaman or whatever. So there's, there's those kind of, you know, quote unquote discrepancies. But to me, like I said, I, I, I think you can kind of talk it up to, well, you know, fucking, parallax and <laughs> fucking hyper time and all this other fucking horse shit, you know, that, that kind of switch shit up. I mean, you know, I mean, by, by the time you got to Peter David's run, I mean, you know, again, they, they, they kind of went with the idea presented in this one shot where Arthur or, you know, I guess Aquaman, you know, Orin is Atlantean. Do you know, like, like it's not like the lighthouse keeper is his biological father. So, you know, like that's also true of, of this, this issue as well. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I guess I'd open it up to you, like kind of, uh, I'm just kind of curious because this is something I bought off a of spinner rack. So like, I, I, I think I got it from like a quick stop. So that's kind of what I remember. I think it was the quick stop where my mom would always uh, have me go to when she was getting her nails done, like in the same strip or whatever so like i do remember seeing this on the stands and buying it there and this was something that you know had a lot of pages in it so it kept me occupied you know while she was you know kind of doing that kind of you know beauty salon deal that she would do or whatever so and uh, you know but i guess i'm I'm kind of curious like how did you well i mean is this something you read as a back issue is this the first time you're reading this like you know those kind of things I'm pretty sure I bought this at an indoor flea market a couple of towns over because, like, there there was this one guy like in Building 4, I think, maybe Building 3, but, like, he had this, you know, this nice little booth, and it was, like, like four really big magazine racks full of comics, and then in the center was just, like, you know, long boxes stacked, like, four or five deep, and you just had to, like... You know, like if you were like in the mood to dig, you just had to like shift it around yourself and like make a mess. Mm. And I'm pretty sure like that's where I got this because I remember getting like a lot of, you know, you you, were, you know you were talking earlier about getting like a lot of like uh, Orion and you know Warlords really cheap. Like I remember getting a mm. lot of like, mm. you know, mid to late '80s DC stuff from this guy like for for really cheap. Like his his thing was like the more you bought, the cheaper it was. Like he just. Uh. Uh, Okay. He knew okay. about Wizard and, you know, price guides, but he was just like, ah, you know, I've got all this stuff, like, you know, you're a kid, like, you know, you, you know, buy a big stack and I'll cut you a nice deal. And that's, you know, usually what he did. He's, he was a pretty nice guy. I think I was just like flipping through and I was just like, ooh, Aquaman and got it. And I don't, I don't know if I read this before I started reading the Peter David run. Like, I know it was published before, but like me, like, I, I don't know if I read it like before that Peter David run ah okay okay something i wanted to ask you since both of our comics deal with arthur's origin like do you have a preference when it comes to his origin because i kind of prefer the one in my like miniseries that i just talked about i i see because yeah in the miniseries it's tom curry is his biological father like he you know and then atlanta washes up they have a relationship and then Arthur is born. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, that's, that's typically your kind of, you know, semi earth one, you know, silver age origin for Aquaman. I mean, I, I think, I think I would default that as 
the the one I think of the most mm-hmm. when it comes to Aquaman. I guess to me though, like th- this would this special, I kind of treat like the Man of Steel for Superman. Mm-hmm. Like I read these at an impressionable age, mm-hmm. and I wasn't yet like jaded with like changing continuities. Right. Like to me, it was like I kind of took these at face value and went, "Oh, well, this is." This is like a newer version of Aquaman, and it's a little different and stuff. And and I think that helped me appreciate, like, you know, things in the Peter David run where, you know, he had, like, you know, Porm and, and those yeah. kind of things. So it's like, oh, his, it, you know, his foster, one of his foster parents was a dolphin, you know? And to me, like, they, they never go into that here. Like, there is no dolphin mother in this. But if you look at the first, like, three or four pages, I feel like in between these panels, like, that happened. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like he's, he's swimming with a school of sharks, but he could have also easily have been swimming with a school of dolphins and hung out with Porm and, and all that kind of good stuff, you know? So like for me, like that, it's like, I guess you're, you're asking like, you know, it, it, it's like, I, I kind of hate playing fit, but like, I think I have such a, I, I have such a sentimental connection to this one shot. Like there, there are things about it. I find kind of touching and like, I, I like, I, I love the part where, you know, it's like, you know, Arthur Curry, basically, you know, every time he runs into this basically naked merboy, you know, it's like getting more fish for him and crabs for him. You know, he keeps cursing every time he does it. So they've got like the little, you know, curse symbols instead of saying like, fuck or whatever. You're saying, right. But like, I, I love it when like, you know, the thing that the thing that gets to his heart is he's kind of like, you know, uh, fuck, I'm talking to you. And and he's kind of like, fuck, there's no sport in it when dinner's already on the table, you know? And then, and then he's like, and then when he says, I'll catch my own food in the future, if it's all the same to you. So what do you think of that? eh? and then he kind of holds his hands open. And the first English words, he's like, fuck, you know? And then of course that makes him like laugh his ass off, you know? And it's like, that's just the, I don't know why, like that to me is like one of those, those moments where I'm like, Oh, that's so perfect. Like it's a, it's a great, you know, it, I, I think, you know, it's like that thing of, I, I know Bendis had that interview when he was writing Ultimate Spider-Man, and this may mean more to you now that you've you've read a lot of those issues recently. I, I remember telling me about it, but he, he kind of said to his, I think his wife at the time, you know, like, oh, well, I'm, I'm writing this thing. And she didn't know the backstory. Like, she didn't know the whole Amazing Fantasy 15, like, oh, Uncle Ben gets shot and, you know, whatever and all this other stuff, right? And so she's reading his scripts and she's like, he dies. Like what? Uncle Ben dies. Like, she's like, but he's so nice. He's so great. And it's like, it's like, so, you know, Bendis wrote him as this like, you know, kindly, you know, you know, like great, he wrote him kind of like yeah. hippie, but like, you know, he, he but he was like, he's like, Oh, but he's such a, you know, you, you, you have that kind of, you, you appreciate their relationship before he passes. And I think, I think this, you know, this Keith Giffen and Robert Lauren Fleming written, special you know like they they do the same thing with arthur curry it's like he kind of starts out as kind of like this gruff old codger in a lighthouse like i i kind of almost felt like he had i mean you know i don't know like there there was a certain sense of like i don't know i, I felt like he, he was kind of irish or something you know or like he had that demeanor to him you know and, and it's like it's like i just liked that i you became attached to him as a character and he, and he had his own little arc, you know, where, where he went from being kind of, you know, gruff and, 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 you know, basically get off my lawn, little merboy <laughs> to like come in and live with me. I'm going to teach you how to read. You're going to be my son and all this other stuff until the point where he finally, when, when, when he finally, you know, 
essentially gets, you know, killed, you're, you're like, then you, you feel the feels, you know, you feel the pain for, for, you know, that relationship that they had and everything. So I, I think that aspect of it, I, I really liked. I mean, I, I remember even as a kid having that weird moment where I was like, you know, I was coming off of Aquaman on the Super Friends and I was kind of like, Aquaman on the Super Friends' costume is a prison uniform? <laughs> like, what? You know, I, I mean, I even had that notion and I didn't read years and years of Aquaman comics. I just kind of knew, you know, the, the character from the filmation cartoon and the Super Friends. And I was like, there's a prison. And, but of course, like I said, I was still young enough at that point where I was like, I don't know, 1989, what was I like? Like 11, 12, something like that. You know, like, so at that point I was still kind of like, okay, I got to wear a prison uniform. And like, even if you notice, like what I thought was kind of funny too, was if you pay attention to it, it's like all the chicks in the female prison that's like right next door. It's like, I imagine there's all kinds of Ronma one half shenanigans that go on in that, you know, Atlantean prison or whatever with, uh, you know, the, uh, the, what do you call it? Like the, the bat house or whatever in Ronma, you know, like where there's all these old pervy men mm. trying to get looks at the Atlantean the, prison see, woman that, or something. But now I'm imagining like Atlantean hoposi, like up to shenanigans. He's <laughs> like, Oh boy. But like, you, you notice, you notice like, <laughs> like all the women have Mara's costume pretty much. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. So it's like, it's like one of those things where it's like, Oh, Aquaman's was the, the male prison uniform and Mara's was the, the female uh, prison uniform. I think I think one of my favorite pages is the page where he's in the city because like he's so like you know unfamiliar with surface ways like he breaks a shop window to steal clothes he almost gets run over by traffic he steals a hot dog and this and then this yeah, this, yeah. this cop is like hey you go back here and then he like he sees some bums and then he's finally like finally he's like screw this and he just like jumps back into the sea <laughs> yeah I was like oh that's I've great. had enough I had enough. I had enough in New York City. Well, one thing I didn't mention about both your miniseries, and I, I think it's, it can equally be said about this, is I, I kind of like fat, nice, kindly Volko, like yeah. better than like New 52 Trader oh, yeah, Volko yeah, yeah. or whatever. So so it's like it's kind of nice to see that version of Volko again. It's nice to reread both of these. It's like, hey, this was where Volko was like, they turned him into a fucking <laughs> asshole. You know, like this is really nice. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's like he's 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 a he, he teaches Arthur basically how to speak Atlantean and and kind of looks out for him when they're in the prison. And then he he essentially is kind of like some kind of, you know, forefather George Washington figure in this Atlantean revolt and, and kind of gets Atlantis back on the straight and narrow and stuff. And so like you, you've got all these good kind of vibes about Volko and he, it's not like he's going to betray him. And it's funny, like I'm so used to all these like backstabbing new 52 stories when it got to like the current King, I was thinking, Oh man, you know, I'm thinking all this game of Thrones shit and like the, the current King, I was like, Oh, I bet he wants to kill Arthur, you know, cause I haven't read this in a long time. And I was like, it's, it's such a weird thing where he's just like, you're my blood relative and you're the rightful king like here's the throne you know it's like there's no backstabbing there's no like you know there's no evil you know kind of machinations it's just like it's almost like he's like heavy is the head that wears the crown this guy's like i don't want this fucking job you take it you know like like so it's like it's at a i don't know it's like because it's so kind of pure and innocent in its own way you know it's got the the kurt swan art which again to me kind of makes it a little pure and innocent in its own way but it's like that like that whole thing the the only thing that's like super awkward i think is like and again this kind of gets back to 
the first miniseries in, in, you know, quote unquote, embracing your emotions. It's like, there's all the good and all the happy. And then the epilogue still has happy for one page. And then you get to the last page of the epilogue. And then you get, it's like, there's two pages of the epilogue where it's like, okay, he's in the justice league. He, he, he's got, you know, Aqualad. He's got Mara. They get married. The second page, they have a baby. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy. And then the last page is like, oh, and then he died. You know, and then that's how it ends. You know, and it's like it's like kind of weird. Like, I I wonder, it's like, you can't not acknowledge it, but then it's like, it's such a, it's such a downer ending to that. It's like, it's like you need it, but you kind of, it's like, I can see like where you're like, well, shit, this is a rebooted universe. Like, why can't you just strip out that last page and they yeah. didn't die? Or so? I don't know. You know, like, like th- th- those are the kind of things where you're like, oh, man. Like, you know, they just, I, I mean, I, I get I get the pain of Aquaman fans where it's like, can't we forget about this? It's like, it's like, but the baby thing was awesome. It's like, but it fucked up Aquaman, like, after that forever. You know, like, so it's like, I kind of get it. Like, it's like one of those things where uh, you just, oh, geez. Uh, something else that made me kind of chuckle was like, the prison they're in, it's called the aquarium. <laughs> mm. I don't know if you noticed that on one of the pages, but there's like establishing shot. Yeah, yeah. It's like the big A, and then beside the big A, it says aquarium. That's <laughs> like okay. <laughs> you you know what made me? I I forgot about the last miniseries. Like Orm has this one line where he's like, "It's the age of Orm Marinus," because that's his name. And I was like thinking of like the age of Aquarius <laughs> for some reason. Like I was like, cause he kept making all those like, yeah. like kind of pop culture gags. So I was like, I was like, I, I was like, it's like, I, I have that Bender meme in my brain where I was like, not sure <laughs> if serious, like, is this real or not? But anyway, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I guess this is one of those things where I cannot be impartial. Like, like if this totally sucks, like I don't know it. Cause because this is like for me a spinner rack little kid book. Like I, I, I don't see any problems with comics. So, and I, 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 I would fully admit if there are, you know, they, they, there may very well be, but I just, I, I don't see them. I have like nostalgic goggle blinders for this, this issue. I mean, I really like this too. I think, I think reading it later, like after some of the Peter David stuff and like rereading like my mini series that I just talked about. I was like, you know, I was like, Oh, he's got like a several different origins and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But I mean, aside from that, like that's, that's not a negative. I mean, this is like a really solid, like one shot. I remember like, you know, getting home and like, you know, digging into the pile of comics that I bought. And I was like, Oh, this one, like, this is really good. Like, I'm really glad I bought this. And I still feel that way about this years later. I mean, I am a big Aquaman fan, but I do, I do really like this one shot. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up for our discussion on Aquaman this evening. I, I was super happy to go deep with Justin. Like, I was kind of excited to be talking about Aquaman. I know, you know, a, a lot of our other podcast buddies go a little more. They lean a little <laughs> more Marvel than than us yeah. sometimes. So it's it's nice to to bask in some DC love every once in a while. And so I was, I was excited about that and I'm glad we got to do it. If anybody has any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to check out the backlog of episodes, comics, motherfucker, do you read them? They are over on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can find the backlog of our episodes there. If you've enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out the Fanholes Podcast proper. We've got 
other spinoff shows like Transformers Tuesdays, Thursdays, Sentai Saturdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, Big in Japan, where we talk about anime and justice not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. And I think that's pretty much it. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. Outrageous! Signing off. And this is Justin. Don't send me to the Aquarius. Aquaman, king of Atlantis, king of the sea. Where the danger is, that's where he'll be. Always defending you, yeah, you and me. Aquaman, he can swim faster than the fastest thing in the sea or on the land. With Mira, his beautiful queen beside him, he'll fight with all his might till the end. Oh, you can always depend. of Armarius the age of Armarius well I'm, I'm just asking because there's like a bug making some sound buzzing and I noises and stuff I, I wouldn't worry about right. it fuck you bug <laughs> fucking bug the bug's like I'm dealing with my uh, emotional turmoil <laughs> I'm coming to terms with that I'm a bug and I like to suck blood. And those are my feelings. Oh, it's dark. And then I'm going to die in like a day or whatever. <laughs>